listening to a Kink in the Chain podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Kink in the Chain podcast. I'm your host, Rope Squirrel, and today in studio we have Ritzy! Yay! Yay! Good to see you, Ritzy. Uh, didn't you just see me like a couple weeks ago at the last convention we went to? Ah, uh, that's true. <laughs> Although I don't think we have any evidence of this. I did talk on the mic by myself when we were there because I didn't get any interviews, but yeah. So hopefully I will get to next con. I actually get to interview some people. So Very nice. We'll see how that goes. And, and to our loyal listeners, uh, obviously this episode will be coming out after our Colorado Leather Fest episode, so you've already heard all the, all the edits, but at, at the time of this recording, it hasn't quite come out yet, but it'll be out very, very soon, so stay tuned for that. We're also planning on attending uh, a few other cons. We've been invited to Beyond Vanilla to possibly record there as well, so if you're in the Dallas area, it could be fun. Come out and say hello to... Uh, at least me, maybe even Ritzy. Maybe um, even Alpine Links. Who knows? I'm also going to be at a couple other cons where I'm not recording, but you can come see me teach. True. Although, do, do they know your alter ego? I don't know. Okay. You know, because Ritzy seems to stick in multiple places. Yes, she does. <laughs> so today, we've got... A few things, some viewer mail like always, but today we're going to start, as we always do, with our news article. And being as it is June and Pride Month, I figured this is a good, as good a time as any to dust off an old debate that comes up every single Pride Parade. Should you take your kids to a Pride Parade? So, this is, um, obviously this gets uh, harder and harder every year, and uh, depends on the parade and the, the the area that you're in. But what do you think about this, Ritzy? I understand that people are parents and have children, and it's good to have equality and to show and demonstrate how different cultures and different people live their lives. And Pride Fest usually has that element. It has celebration of people's sexualities and life choices. So it's a good exposure and a good influence to the kids. On the other hand, there are times when the information or the costumes or things get a little bit on the R-rated side. So there, I think there is limits that there hasn't been set yet. But other than that, I, I positively think that kids should go to Pride Fest. And do you feel like there should be any like age restriction? Or can you take your two-year-old to the Pride Parade? <laughs> so... Currently, you could take your kids at any time, I believe. Um, most people bring their children to the Pride Parade where I live, and it's a big thing. There's a lot of floats. They throw candy to the kids, and the kids just line the street, and they really like it. And they usually street legal clothing, so it's like being on the beach. You're going to see someone in bikinis or something like that. So they are covered, and nobody's nude. So that's a positive. Um, but... You know, some of the events outside of the parade, inside the actual area where they have the Pride Festival, sometimes things get a little off. 
But I think that they should have a time restriction. So, for example, you know, have children go during the day and then have like 18 plus at night so that there is that restriction put into place and then people can do whatever they want and have costume changes. I know that people love costume changes. I do. I like changing clothes three or four times at a con. So I have multiple outfits that I wear. So this is the same kind of idea. So I, I think this is going to be a rare situation where the where you and I disagree on something. That's it'll be interesting. No, you know what? We're allowed to disagree. That's true. I, I might hate you for it, but you know what? Mm. You're allowed to disagree. <laughs> Just kidding. I would not hate you for your opinions. Opinions are good. Like con- no, healthy disagreement. Healthy disagreement, indeed. So, obviously, I've been to many different pride parades, and I do see the same thing over and over again. And I guess the question in my mind ends up being, you're right, most, if not everyone, is at least beach legal, I guess is the best word that I can put it. Um, Some push those boundaries to the absolute limit. I've seen someone with nothing but pasties on and, and the bottom. Admittedly, you know, I'm still a fan of not criminalizing the nipple and, and, and getting in the places that we live, in the territory that we live, uh, the female breast is not a crime, and I'm very happy about that. But at the same time, you've got, I mean, men in nothing but a jockstrap gyrating in a sexual fashion on a float, and you've got three-year-olds around, you know, looking looking at this. I'm not saying it's ruining them for life. I'm not definitely not saying that, but I'm definitely questioning if we should put some restrictions on the parade itself or the event itself i just hate to i hate to try to squelch someone's freedom of expression but at the same time i mean protect the children well i mean everything that you just described like the pasties and stuff do you have you seen some of the baby suits the girls wear at the beaches lately they're like little itty bitty triangles that just cover the nipple and areola and then they go across and strap and then guys wear speedos all the time at the beach so it's not like there's something they wouldn't have seen before true but the question would be is do we want i would agree with you and and believe me i've lived in foreign countries where they wear even less um and as a as an adult i appreciate that but i always question whether or not we should be exposing younger children and, and I hate, I don't want to put an age range. I mean, I'd say like kids even under 12 even would be like, should we be exposing the children to something like this? Is it, I, I, I enjoy the, I, I realize that we can't protect children forever. And heck, at freaking 12, I was already looking at porn on the internet. So at that point, nothing would have really surprised me. But, you know, a five-year-old, all I want to do is go out in the yard and play and not even, uh, I don't know. It just seems seems inappropriate to me uh, in some cases. Some prides are very, very respectful. Um, but the, at least the leather contingent that we usually march in, usually, I, I mean, I have photos and I'll have to go back and look, but everybody was very well covered. I mean, I, I, there was a girl dressed as a, in a sparkly unicorn costume. I mean, it was, if anything, it was more fantasy than, than sexy, but yeah. So, I highly believe that children should be exposed because they are more likely than to accept it later on in life. 
So not like exposure. Like if someone was having sex on stage, that's a completely different scenario than them just wearing a really skimpy outfit. So because if they're doing like sexual acts, yes, that would be crossing a line because then it's invading space into that children. It's almost like crossing the line into child pornography, but it's not children. It's just pornography shown to children. (laughs) So there are those lines that you have to be careful with. Um, So, yes, I think that Pride Festival should have some kind of restrictions, but I still think it should be aged, like, family-appropriate certain times so that people can still express themselves after children leave. And it's also the parents' choices as well, because if a parent doesn't want you to see it, they're not going to take their kid, period. Like, there are some people who will refuse to take their children to Pride Fest. And other times, parents are like, yeah, we want you to just be exposed and see what this life is like. And then you can make the choice later on what you're going to do. I can agree with you there. A, a restrictions in a time limit would be would go towards it because I don't want to completely exclude children from it. And I know in the recently we've had all these these news articles about like you know, children's drag shows and things like that, which I'm a little weirded out by. But at the same time, okay, it, it's weird when they start doing almost stripper dances and people start shoving dollar uh, dollar bills into their outfits and it's like you know these are these are nine and ten year olds that are now being asked to perform stripper like moves and i don't know i think that's a little too far for me but i do think that your suggestion of uh, possible restriction on on outfits uh, to be you know beach legal would be uh, the best definition i could come up with and then um maybe after six o'clock seven o'clock then it becomes a little i don't want to say a little more risque because there's still public indecency laws that we have but perhaps there could be a little more um gyrating action and things like that for from some of the people well you know how much i love communication and in this article it talks about prepping the kids and how you have to have a conversation with them so i highly believe that even if you take them you can be like hey if you see this make sure you turn around or make sure you cover your eyes like I just so that you're protected because those are things we're not supposed to see at this age or something like that like parents can still have the conversation about what they're going to see um in appropriate ways and how to deal with situations they feel uncomfortable with like getting the kids started early with those conversations like consent even if it's a basic like I feel uncomfortable can we do something about it consent kind of things that's that's where you need to start consent can be as simple as that yeah and i I don't imagine this debate will ever go away because every single year we're going to have you know pride and there's going to be new uh, well i don't want to say new fetishes but it's a different experience every year you get new participants in pride who may not necessarily who are let's just say overly proud of what they are and they i mean they should be but um there's always going to be issues every year, and as long as the children are prepared or the parents are prepared to be like, okay, here comes a float of, an, of a bunch of naked men thrusting, well, jockstrap-wearing men thrusting the air, and well, let's just turn you around. Here, have a sucker. You know, if, if parents are willing to do that, then I think it would be okay. And then also, the person who wrote this talked about um, having kid-friendly activities areas. So it's been a while since I, because of our pandemic, it's been a while since I've been to Pride. 
But having like a kid area, I'm unsure if ours does that. It does. Okay. So, for example, like ours downtown, it has a kid area where kids can go and be free and have fun and still be participating in, in Pride. So having things like that, if there are some other Pride festivals that don't have a kid-friendly area or don't have a kid play area or craft area or whatever you want to call it, then they might want to reorganize and rethink what's going on. Yeah, for sure. And making age-appropriate spaces for children, if you don't have one, for sure get one. And then conversely, I know like the Las Vegas Pride Festival has an area that is very much not for children. It is walled off. Um, in some cases, I know that the local, that the um, Museum of Erotic Heritage supplied a bunch of BDSM equipment. So it tells you how much of a not children's area this is. Um, high walls and, you know, eight, well, I think it's even 21 plus, although I'm not, don't quote me on that. It might only be 18. <laughs> but still, um, I, I do like the idea of, of Keeping children, obviously, I, I, I assume you would agree with me, you'd want to keep children out of a space like that, correct? Of, yeah, of course. Okay. Um, yeah, unless they're above 18. Sure. They're still my children. Like, sorry, I, I, I still feel like kids are not adults until they're after 21. <laughs> but that's a personal thing. So no bring your kid to the dungeon night at, no. at your local dungeon? I don't think so. Okay. I mean, it's a cute idea, and make it a kid-friendly dungeon, <laughs> That's what, soft not... nerf bats or something. Yeah, pretty much. So Okay. Well, um so our listeners, I'm gonna link to the article in the description. Check it out, see what you think, and let me know. Let us know. Um you know, it, this is always a debate that we're gonna have every single year, so Correct. It is going to be a debate for a long time. And now, some letters from our mailbag. Ooh, my favorite time of the show. Is it now? Oh, yeah, I love letters because this is my favorite part. I don't have to really read anything because when you made me do <laughs> Sorry, he's giving me this look, guys, because I was like, I don't like reading. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't get paid to read. <laughs> uh, I don't pay you at all, so. True statement, but I really do like the questions because I'm able to help people and actually express my express my knowledge in a specific way that helps other people learn. Fair enough. All right. Well, our first question comes to us from Frank in Ohio. And uh, they write, I've been doing kinky stuff since 2018. Sometimes I feel that I'm just repeating the same scenes over and over again with different people and sometimes the same people. How do I bring my kink to the next level? Oh, my gosh. I feel that way sometimes, too, because... Once you hit maximum rope level, because I do a lot of rope, uh, maximum rope level, it's like, cool, I know how to suspend people and do really cool things with rope, but still suspending again and again and again. It's, just, it's the same thing. Um, how would you do it, Rope Squirrel? So, Ritzy, um, there's a few things that I would recommend. Uh, obviously, picking up new kinks is... Mm, is the ideal situation, but realistically, we have to imagine there's only so many kinks out there that there's a lot. Don't get me wrong. There's probably millions of different things. I mean, it could be, you know, beating someone with a blender, um, you know, covering someone with tar and feathers. I mean, we, we have all these odd little kinks out there. But I think which the best thing you can do is either attend a convention, attend a local um, 
dungeon or something of that nature and look around at what people are doing fine and you don't specify if you are doing if you're a top or a bottom in this particular message but you know go to your local dungeon go to your local convention that has a play party of course and see what people are doing and then ask those people to either teach you how to do it or to have them do it to you or whatever might be the case I realize that that sounds just like, you know, learn new kinks, but that is really what you need to do. You need to try out new things. And for on it, to be honest, you may try something and you may be like, ah, I hate this. This is awful. I don't ever want to do this again. And that's fine. But those kind of things and get, seeing other people playing will give you more inspiration to come up with new and creative scenes. I mean, imagine like just beat someone with a slinky. I mean, that that's a, it's weird. It's funny. Um, and these are just things I'm coming up with off the top of my head. I've had people, actually, Alpine Links once asked me, I want a Star Trek scene. And that's all that they specified. And I sat there scratching my head like, oh, okay, what, do you want me to dress like a Vulcan and beat you with a pole? I mean, what is it that, it, what is it that you're looking for in a Star Trek scene? And they said, just surprise me. Okay. So I ended up, uh, buying small little cotton balls and I just started throwing them at her like, fear the tribbles! And I started throwing them at her. So any Star Trek geek out there will know it. And and then I had a, a toy phaser I bought at a store and that was, and then I started shoot, shooting them with it. And that was the scene. We both were giggling. Was it ridiculous? Absolutely. But it was something different that neither of us had done. This is just kind of my my ideas. You know, just come up with weird Stuff and that'll usually spur your imagination and do other things. But what do you think? I'm surprised you didn't say Google. Like, go Google it. Like, new ways to play with this item. Da 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 da. Google. Google has amazing things. Super easy. But if it's not appropriate for you to do it because you're on a weird internet situation, then yeah. I highly believe that if you are stuck in a rut to go to the dollar store and spend $20 and have somebody else go in and pick out items with $20 and whatever they come back with, that's what you have to play with. And that way you're surprised because you don't know what's in that bag. And it's an entertaining kind of a surprise. Look, stuff. And most of the stuff that you get from the dollar store, you can reuse especially rubber chickens because rubber chickens are amazing or the little squishy pigs that they have the dollar store too that you could just throw and beat somebody and it oinks when you hit them with it so yeah and and if you're sending a like a sub in to get toys you know go get me something to beat you with um, they may come out with something and you you may come up with a completely different idea of what they thought which can be all the more exciting like yeah, I can beat you with a rubber chicken, but let's try it as an insertable. Whee! You know, uh, stick it up and squeak it a little. You know, that could be fun. Who knows? Um, yeah, so you there's the dollar store. It's a good point. Um, get those creative ideas flowing. Um, there's a lot of creative problem-solving exercises that you can try as well. Um, for example, there's a lot of organizations that if you're good at improv, you'll be probably I mean try out you don't have to go like try out for an improv troupe but uh, you know stay home and and try improv on something like have somebody hand you and try to think of all the ways you can use that particular item whatever it might be you know you gave me a spatula and I can beat you with it I can sm I can slap you with it I can insert it I could I don't know dip it in alcohol and light it on fire and burn you with it I mean these are just 
minor little suggestions, but having those kind of having a creative mind, having your juices flowing, both from seeing other people and from doing a little bit of creativity on your own, I think that'll bring a lot of spice to your scenes. You can also step away for a moment. Like you don't have to play. You don't have to do the same scene over again. It's okay to take a couple weeks off and then go back to it or a month or two and then go to a specific, go back to a specific play. Like sometimes I won't do a specific play for several months, like fire cupping. Uh, I do tastings with fire cupping and then I do like 40 people and then I'm like burnt out from it. So I take a couple months off from it. And then once I come back to it, I'm like, Ooh, yeah, I remember why I like this so much. I do feel sorry for people who've earned a nickname though. Like, we got like Paddle Daddy, um, Single Tail Larry, for example. Um, all people who have who have, who have mastered yes, bless his soul, but who had all mastered a particular type of play so much that it's in their name, and then it's like, you know, here's Paddle Daddy, but he's doing sensual play, and it's like it, to me that's just like, no, you're you're well known for this other thing. Why aren't you doing that other thing that you're so good at? But by the same token, I'm sure that they're tired of doing the same thing over and over. Like, I don't want to be the guy that only does paddles over and over again. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, get some creative inspiration and give it a try. See what, see what you can come up with. Our second question comes to us from Charlie in Nevada. And they write, I've been a sub all my life, but recently I've found that I want to be a top. However, I don't have the confidence to top. Every time I try, I get nervous and I can't follow through. Any tips? Yeah, don't top. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, that's, I... like, that's like the worst thing ever. Usually the best one I can tell you is get a mentor. There's somebody out there that is willing to mentor and help you and guide you through the process. So don't try to do it by yourself. If you're struggling by yourself, find somebody else to assist you, help you. Don't go to Google in this situation because Google isn't going to help you get your confidence. But another human being that you physically can talk to will. Additionally, you can try something. um, Lately, I've been seeing a lot of what I would call professional bottoms or really experienced bottoms. And I've actually been doing this myself as well. Going When I go to conventions and whatnot, people are saying, this is my first time topping. I'd really like to have someone who knows what they're doing on the bottom. And so I've been doing all this stunt bottoming. But if you're looking to top, find somebody who really knows their stuff for two reasons. One, they'll be able to give you honest feedback about, you know, your scene. And they'll be able to, they're not going to run off and I guess, you know, scream consent violation if you miss a whip hit or something like that. They're going to, they're probably going to be like, okay, you know, that hurt. Um, that wasn't what we agreed to, but let's, let's talk about it. Um, I, I find that to be... Because then you're not playing with somebody brand, brand new, and then you're both messing up. I'm not saying you need to stay with that person forever, but as, you know, your first few times, yes, either find a top who can help you or find an experienced bottom who can guide you as well. So what I've noticed when I mentor, because I mentor a few people, that uh, sometimes it's a fear because you don't know how to do it properly or you're afraid to hurt the person or there's some kind of embedded fear within there. Because some some plays are pretty scary. You can hurt somebody. And if you don't know what you're doing, it causes a fear, which causes you to be restricted and, you know, not go all in kind of thing. Um, so I usually help them by teaching them something 
making sure that I have a lesson so they can learn it and feel more confident about the type of play they're doing. Because once you have confidence, then you're more likely to follow through with it. Yeah. So, so Charlie, I hope that helps. I hope that you've got find some help. Um, we we were all new once, and we all were not in the roles that we're in now. So it it does take uh, effort. Even being a bottom, I mean, there's a joke that all the bottom has to do is show up and lay on the table, and that's all they have to do. But there is a, there are things that bottoms had to learn. I'm sure you had to learn it, being as a, you were a sub all your life. Um, you had to learn about self-care. You had to learn about possible injuries, you know, what to do if you have cuts or bruises or burns or whatever it might be. So you had to prep to be a bottom. You have to prep to be a top, too. And just find someone experienced, and you should be able to, to breeze right through it. Question number three. Comes to us from Lois in Delaware. I'm in a wheelchair, but I really want to experience kink. I'm a submissive. Do you have any advice for someone who is disabled in the kink scene? Yeah, go out into the kink scene and put yourself out there. So I recently tied up a gentleman in a wheelchair with rope, and I suspended him and his wheelchair together. So it was something interesting to do. Um, I was able to do ties on him and on the wheelchair. So if the wheelchair fell, he would still be supported. So there are plenty of different ways to play with people like disabilities are not a restriction they are a sometimes a slight learning curve because you have to make certain adjustments but most of the most types of play that I do for example I can do on any body type any kind of person any kind of disability as long as you communicate and you learn from individuals but going out there and just getting to know go to a convention go to a club go to a party and get known get know people have conversations get that idea out there and figure out what works for you and also do tastings with people because that's always a beneficial as well because um because of limitations some play might not be your cup of tea but that's with anybody like even a person like myself i have limitations but i keep going keep playing for sure. And Lois, yeah, I mean, just because that you're in a wheelchair doesn't mean you can't experience a lot of different things. I mean, a, a flogging is still possible. They could easily just <clears throat> get you out of your chair and put you up on a table, for example, lay you down, uh, which then, then the wheelchair doesn't become an issue. Um, if you prefer to play in the wheelchair, you know, there's ways to incorporate it into a scene. Um, they could tie you to your wheelchair. I mean, that could be fun too, kind of, in some ways. A um, little bit of restriction. Uh, recently I heard, granted this was a top, but uh, a good friend of mine would, did a service dog scene with someone who was in a, in a wheelchair. And uh, he, he's, a, he's a puppy. So it, it was kind of a, a cute idea of like, you know, you're going to be my service dog for the weekend. And uh, uh, he even debated going out and getting one of the service dog vests so that he could, you know, play the whole whole real pup thing. But uh, I don't think he did that. But still, it's it's a just because you're in a wheelchair does not mean that you have any kind of restriction on what you can do, as long as you're willing to adapt. <clears throat> if you can make modifications to your play, obviously taking into account the disability. I I mean I assume that. You know, like maybe not 
taking into account what the disability is, you'll be able to have the same fun as, as just about anyone else and, and enjoy a rich, full life in our community. And I think you'll find that no one no one's going to to shun you because of your disability. In fact, you know, we're, we're pretty open in our community. We want everybody and everything and let everybody come. Let them come. You're a big, happy family. Yeah. And I admittedly smiled a little bit when I heard about the service dog scene. So I thought it was just, it was a cute idea. I did too. Like, I actually put the effort in and I'm designing him now a service dog vest with service dog on it. And it's going to be a leather and it's going to be a harness structure. So, yep. Because I'm all supportive for different types of play that we don't usually hear about. Yeah. So, Lois, I really hope that that helps you in some way. And my listeners, as always, if you do have questions or you would like to be on the show or just want to get in contact with us, remember, you can send your email to podcast at kinkinthechain.com. We're more than happy to hear from you. I also realize, my listeners, that this is going to be a slightly shorter show than usual. Uh, Ritzy and I are both a little on the tired side today, and so we're we're uh, we're we want but we want to make sure we get a show out for you. So Ritzy, shall we let them all get on with their days? Yes, yes, we should. So, well then, and as always, stay kinky, my friends. Check us out on the web, the web. at kinkinthechain.com. Follow us on Twitter at kinkchainshow. We don't bite. Unless you ask nice. Have feedback or want to submit a question for a future show? Send your emails to podcast at kinkinthechain.com.